had a good time. It was kind of the convergence of, uh, you know, current people with people that were older and all the places in between. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun just to see everybody uh, get around each other and began to, uh, began to spend some time around each other. It was a, a real uh, merging of uh, relationships and emotions and uh, everything else. It was, it was a lot of fun. But in the midst of it, uh, you know, I was, I was looking at it, I was thinking, wow, you know, this is, uh, this is really uh, 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 kind of a, I, I, I'm not even sure of the word for it. It was, kind of, it was kind of one of those things, it was, it was just weird in some ways, okay? I mean, I, I was there, I was trying to figure out, because some of these people were going, you know, okay, who is it that I should meet? And they're looking around, and then some of these other people going, now, who are the Curtin students I should meet? I thought, they were just asking that. I should have paired you two up, you know? And, and it was just, it was a lot of fun to see people together. And it led me to kind of what we're going to talk about tonight, because we were looking at a totally different subject for tonight, but that's out the window because I thought, no, no, I think, I think we need to look at this, especially as I began to observe a lot of things that were going on, observe a lot of lives. I thought, no, we, we, we really ought to take a little bit of time and look at this. So uh, I don't know about you. I'm grateful. Uh, new month and uh, everything today. If you're not aware of that, we are in March now. And so uh, welcome to March. And so I'm excited about that. I think one of the things that excites me, about that, I, I love the way that God weaves new beginnings into the time structure of things. You know, I mean, when you're sitting there thinking, my entire week is going downhill. You know, I mean, what in the world? Then all of a sudden you think, it's March 1st. It's a new month. I'm starting over. And for those of you that blow today, uh, then you can uh, realize tomorrow is Friday, a new beginning. You know, I mean, it's a brand new day. And for those of you that, you know, become coherent about Sunday, then a new week. And so God's just woven all kinds of things in there where we can just enjoy new beginnings all the time. And I think that's a good thing. So tonight what we're going to do, we're going to look at the uh, topic of where, whose applause are you after? Whose applause are you after? So before we do, let's take a minute and pray. And then we'll jump in. Father, thank you um, that where we would search and search and uh, drive ourselves crazy trying to figure out um, what to do and what to be about so often. You clear things up so well through your word. Uh, thank you for the promise in your word that every word of yours is tested. You are a shield to those who take a refuge in you. So, Father, help us to uh, be some of those that are uh, wise enough to prove your word true by obeying it and not foolish enough to prove it true by disobeying it. So help us to really understand what you have to say. Pray uh, uh, Luke 24, 45 over us tonight that you would open our minds that we would really understand the scriptures. And we pray those things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The, um, a friend of mine was, was chatting. He had written this thing to me. He said, you know, it's amazing. Uh, he mentioned how secular music, now I'm not really sure, you know, secular music. I don't really think God has categories, by the way. I think God probably likes the Beach Boys, you know, but I mean, that's a whole other subject, you know. But anyway, you know, he talks about secular music. He said, it's amazing how secular music, you know, when it's honest and it's, and it's raw and it's vulnerable, he said how it can really direct you more towards the truths of God sometimes than music that's commercial Christian is what he called it. And I'm not really sure what that means either, but... Uh, I've never seen that many commercials in Christian music, but anyway, he was talking about that. And so he was saying, you know, man, this is so much better. But as he said that, I was started thinking, I thought, you know, that's really true in some ways. I mean, I, I have, 
I have heard songs, and after I've heard them, I thought, you know what? Yeah, th- th- there's a lot of truth in there. Now, that's totally not, you know, written by Chris Tomlin, which I know for some people that all truth comes from Chris. But, uh, you know, uh, it's actually, you know, you can get it a lot of other places. And so, you know, I thought about that. Have many of you seen the movie yet, The Greatest Showman? You guys seen that? A few of you? Oh, yeah, many of you. Okay, be encouraged. For those of you that haven't, I'm not going to ruin it fully uh, for you tonight. But uh, it's, it's a really good movie. It's, a, it's the story of P.T. Barnum. Uh, for those of you who don't know if you've ever heard of like Barnum and Bailey's uh, Circus and stuff like that. Okay, P.T. Barnum. And so P.T. Barnum, just to give you a little bit of backdrop, he's married into this uh, family that's really um, out of his pay grade. And, you know, they're, uh, they look at him in that way, except for his wife. I mean, obviously she doesn't. But, uh, you know, her parents do. Now, he's really a dreamer. And he really has all these things that he wants to see come together. And, you know, they look at him like, hmm, this is never going to happen, you know. And so he gathers some interesting folks together that are kind of misfits in many different things and kind of forms a circus. And, a lot of people come to see him, but none of the high society people. And he really wants, like her folks are in that, he really wants them to be impressed. And so he goes to Europe and finds this gal, Jenny Lind, who is like the great singer of the day. And he brings her back because he's going to take her across America and just expose America to her. Now, unbeknownst to him in this whole thing, she begins to think, hmm, yes. All of this fame, this would be great, but with you, with you. Now, he does, he's a married guy. He's not thinking this. You know, he's just, you know, fat, dumb, and happy. So he's going along, you know. Now, but for him, what he's thinking is, ah, this is my key into this society. This is going to be. Now, his friend, Mr. Bailey, paid by Zach Efron for all you girls going, oh. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, his friend, um, for him, who, who does he really want the applause of? Well, his parents. He's never gotten it from his parents. And he just wants it. So he's so, so what we're going to do, we're going to look at this little clip here in just a minute. And I want you to see in this one song that kind of uh, kicks some things off. I want you to see because it spells out in three simple words a truth that you will find as you begin to pursue the applause of people all over. As you begin to try to figure out ways to do that, you're going to find these words will ring back true again and again and again. So we're going to take a minute, look at that, and then we'll jump back in. Okay? Starting with 
question to yourself, what is it that's going to make it enough for you? You ever wonder that? What is it that's going to make it enough for you? What is it that's going to make life come together? What is it that's going to make life really seem worthwhile for you? I mean, what's it going to take? Have you thought about that? Because for some people, they fill that with a lot of different things. Some people, it's, you know, boy, I'll tell you what, if I get the GPA this semester, that I'm hoping to get, then that's enough. Life comes together. In fact, if I get the GPA, which then gets me the job I'm wanting, oh, then life comes together. In fact, if I get that internship, oh, then life comes together. In fact, you know, for some people it's like, no, 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 that's just jobs. But if I get him or I get her, then life comes together. Yeah, that's what it's this relationship. If I can just have this relationship, oh my gosh, life would just, oh, it would be enough. Others, they look at it, they think, no, you know what? I just need this accomplishment. I mean, I'm going to join every club and I need to be president or some office in every club and I need to be known because if I can just be known, Life will come together. And other people, they're like, no, no, no. You know, actually, 
if, if I can just have fun. I mean, I want to I buy passes to Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland and Universal Studios and Six Flags. And if I can just have fun all the time, and I'm trying to work out my classes to where they're only on Wednesday, and, you know, that way I can just have, you know, a six-day weekend. And if I can do that, boy, that'll be enough. Life will come to, it'll be enough. Others, you know, it's just like, no, 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 I, you know what I need? I mean, I need stuff. I mean, you know, like, I have an iPhone 9, but if I get an iPhone 10, and I'd really like to buy an option for a, a 11, and if I can just do it, boy, life will come together. Oh, I just need that stuff. I mean, you, you know, it's stuff. You know, you just need stuff. And over and over and over and over, you know, what you find is nothing inherently wrong with any of those things. For those of you that are going, oh, no, I own an iPhone 9. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, 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 don't. Nothing wrong with all those. But you know what's at the center of most all of those? The approval of others. Oh, you're dating her? Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, you have a 10? Yeah, I do. Wow, you made that great? Well, you know, somebody had to be on top, you know. (laughs) The applause of others. See, nothing's inherently wrong with that. The problem is this when those become the drivers in your life, what you begin to find is this the end begins to justify the means. As long as you get it, it doesn't really matter how you get there. When those become the drivers in your life, what you begin to find is that even when you achieve the goal, it's never enough. Never. Never enough. See, like if you make the best grade on the tests, guess what? There's another test next week. Oh, you know, you don't get much time to bask in all the glory of that, do you? I mean, you know, you look and it's almost over. So you begin to look, what is going to be enough for you? What I would submit to you tonight is this. That is something that is discovered and not decided. You begin to discover, if you pay attention, what it is that you get that's actually enough. And so why, why do we go after those things? Why do we go after the applause? Why do we go after the approval of people? Why do we go after these achievements? Why do we go after all of this? Why do we go after It almost seems innate, doesn't it? I mean, if you stop and think about it, you think, well, it seems like something we ought to be doing, shouldn't we? We'll come back to that. Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, is a passage we're going to look at tonight. Now, Jesus is telling stories here, and he's telling stories about the kingdom. And what he does is he tells a variety of stories. Uh, one, he tells stories about how life is. He tells stories about how life works. He, he's telling this one story, though, about the master and his talents. Now, you know, I think in this uh, particular um, uh, translation, uh, talents, he talks about is uh, the master and his bags of gold. And so he talks about it like that. A talent, basically, back in the day, a talent was about $1,000 or, or months and months and months uh, of wages because wages were very small back then. So, you know, when he's talking about a talent, that's what one talent is. And so he tells this story. So we'll, we'll look here in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. He says, again, it will be like it, speaking of the kingdom of God, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags 
to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once to put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there thinking about that. Don't you think that had to sound better as he thought about it in his mind than it did once it came out? I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, even as he's saying that, he must be thinking, oh, this is a bad idea. This is a bad, what, 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 what was I thinking? You know, but he said it. So anyway, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I do not sow and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there's a ton of stuff that we could talk about with this parable. But for tonight, I want you to focus on one thing and one thing only. We were meant to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We were meant to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, why, when he talks to them about that, why were they good and faithful servants? He says that to two of them. You notice that? He doesn't, like, the, the, the second guy comes in and the second guy says, you know, hey, you gave me two bags, and, and what do you know? I brought in two more bags, and the, the master doesn't go, two bags? Why not three? Why not four? He doesn't say that. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, the guy with five, same thing. I'm pretty convinced if the guy with one had shown up with two, he would have heard the same thing. So what makes them a good and faithful servant? Several things. One, he faithfully handled what was entrusted to him. He faithfully handled what was entrusted. You notice the master didn't give him the money. He just entrusted it to him. He was handling the money for his master. He was handling things for him. He faithfully, not all of them were the same. I mean, each of them had something different, but he faithfully invested what was given to him. Our stewardship 
that we're to be responsible for is what's been entrusted to us. And guess what? That's going to be different with every one of us. Some of it is. Some of it's going to be exactly the same. But we are responsible for what's been entrusted to us. Now, that raises two questions. What will you do with what's been entrusted to you? What are you going to do with that? You know, as I was sitting there this past weekend and I was looking around at lives, I was looking at people and thinking, well done. I mean, I was looking around at some people, and I remember this one gal uh, that, you know, um, she graduated now about 26 years ago. And when she was here, one of the things she was saying one day, she came up and she's like, you know, I, I'm just not like you. And I thought, well, let's thank God for that. You know, and she's like, no, I mean, like, I really, like, I want to I wanna share with people, but, like, you, you know, you just, like, you just, like, talk to people. And, like, I'm, I'm not like that. I said, I know. But that scares the bejesus out of some people, too, you know. And they, there's people looking for people like you, that they run from people like me. And she's like, well, and she finally became convinced, you know what? God can use me. And what he's entrusted to me is what he's given me. And I'll tell you what, faithfully, the last 26 years, I keep stumbling over person after person after person. And I'll say, so, now, tell me more of your story. Oh, well, you know, I was over here, and I was in the library, and I met this girl named Stacy. And, oh, Stacy, yeah, yeah. And, and she was sharing the gospel with me, and, you know, and I thought, she was sharing the gospel with you. And, yeah, and I came to Christ, and then I'll meet somebody else. Well, I was at this mom's day out, and I met Stacy, and I'm like, Really? Over and over and over. I looked around. I saw many, many faces and many stories like that. You know, one of the things that I, I thought about there, I thought, we are responsible for what's been entrusted to us, not what's been entrusted to somebody else. You notice that when the two-bag guy came up, God never said to him, hey, what happened to those five bags? Because he wasn't responsible for five bags, was he? He was responsible for two. What are you going to do with what's been entrusted to you. You know a really good barometer of that? What are you doing with it right now? You want to know what's going to happen? Do you want to know what you're really going to do with it ultimately? What are you doing with it right now? Because you see, Luke 16.10 says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing, is unrighteous also in much. One of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to fool yourself and think, well, I'm really not doing anything with what uh, I've been given up to now, but you know what? One of these days, oh, baby, wait till I graduate. You know, when I graduate, oh, then I'm going to unleash all that God has given me. You know, the uh, nice word for that is bull. Uh, no, you won't. <laughs> because what you'll find is this. You know what you'll do when you graduate? You'll do what you're doing right now. You'll think, one of these days. See, if you want to know what you're going to do then, look at what you're doing now. But the second question that you want to ask yourself then, what will you leave when you leave? What will you leave when you leave? You know, every one of us are going to leave at some point. SC and this planet. Now, the real question is, what are you going to leave? 
is the thing, you know, people are going to say, hey, you know what? She lived and she died. And really, it's like she never lived at all. Because that's what she left. Absolutely nothing behind. How you finish is how you're remembered. And so one of the really good ideas is to begin to think, am I utilizing, am I investing, am I working with the things that have been entrusted to me? Am I, am I passing those on to other people? Am I, am I making the best use of that? Or am I just kind of, you know, gliding through life thinking, well, my grades... <laughs> Actually, you know, my career, actually, you know, uh, uh, this guy, actually, you know, I mean, what are you actually, what are you actually giving your time to? The second, why he was a good and faithful steward, was he trusted his master. He trusted his master. Did you notice that when he's talking to each of those guys, they didn't slip into, well, except for the third one, they didn't slip into the comparison or the complaining mode. I mean, it would have been real easy for, like, the two-bag guy to think, why did he get five? Everyone always gets five. That's been true for generations for me. Our whole family's only gotten two bags. Oh, woe was us. I mean, he could have gone on, you know, he's, that's not fair. If I was in charge, let me tell you how I would have divided it up. You know, if you stop and think about it, he could have gone into any of those. Instead, what he did was, totally trusted his master, that his master had given him exactly what he could handle. You know, we think a lot of times, well, I'm not really handling this very well, but if I had all this other, then I would really handle it well. And it's like, yeah, not so much. See, part of the point of the parable that Jesus is wanting us to get it. Guess what? Life's not fair. It's not fair. Some people are going to start off with more. Some people are going to start off with less. Life's not fair. Never was promised to be fair. Life is not fair. But the question is, what will you do to make the best of what has been entrusted to you? What will you do to make the best of what has been entrusted to you? You, you want to begin to think about that. You want to begin to do it. The third reason why he was a good and faithful servant, he prioritized what his master had commanded. He prioritized what his master had commanded. Did you notice in Matthew 25, 16, and 17, it says, he went at once. He went at once. Now, there are a lot of things that we want to do in life. I mean, each one of you, I mean, you may have different things you want to do, but guess what? Every one of us has a lot of things we'd like to do in life. I mean, I don't know anybody that's not busy. I mean, a homeless guy has a hard time getting everything in in one day. You know, it's just, you know, there's just all sorts of things you want to do. And when God calls you to a commitment to him, a lot of times we think of that kind of like God has called us to a commitment and we had nothing we were committed to before. No, that's not true. When God calls you to a commitment to follow him, you're committed to all kinds of things before. I mean, boo things. When God calls you to a commitment to him, what he's saying is this. I want you to prioritize your commitment to me 
and to what I'm about over all your other commitments. There are no more other commitments that trump what I have for you in your life. And so they understood that. You know what? They, they, they were crystal clear on that, and they began to prioritize what they were about. They began to prioritize it with what is it that God has clearly said he wants us to do, and that's what they did. Now, if you were asleep through the first part, or you're thinking, you know, hey, I've got to start thinking about my grocery list now, then hear one thing, because if you get nothing else tonight, I want you to get one question and let it just linger in your mind for the rest of the time. One question. When we are meant to hear, well done, from an infinite God, how much applause from finite people will it take to fill that void? When you are meant to hear, well done, from an infinite God, the God who created everything. When you're meant to hear that from, how much applause from finite people? How many relationships? How many test scores? How many, how many accomplishments? How much stuff? What is it going to take to fill that void? And I'll tell you what, I think what you're going to discover is this. Never enough. Never, never. Never enough. So why do I bring this up now? Well, um, one, you guys have been entrusted with some really good things. You've got to begin to ask yourself, what are you doing with them? That's one of the main reasons. The second reason is, you know, I would rather you ask, what if I would have, and fill in that blank, now, at mid-semester than I would at midlife. Because some of you are going to get to be, you know, like uh, 40 years old, and you're going to think, huh, that's true. Never enough. I wonder what would have happened if... Well, see, I would much rather you ask that question now and begin to really get solid answers to that so you can actually make the adjustments now. So you don't have to live a life of regret. And thirdly, I want to encourage you to live life to hear his voice. Live life to hear his voice. Now, how do you do that? Well, let me, let me suggest four ways for you as we wrap up. As you live your life, choose trust over control. You know, one of the things that will drive you crazy sometimes is you cannot run the universe. Now, I mean, for some of you, that's more of a problem than others. For some of you, you're just wired that way. You're like, you know, and if, boy, I mean, if you're not in charge, you're just worried about it, and you wish you were in charge, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. You know, people just keep getting in my way. I have stuff I need to get done. You know, and it's like, amazing, amazing, my soul. You know, the problem is, when two of you have the same exact thought and you're just in each other's way all the time because you need to be in control. No, instead of control, trust God and trust what he said. Lean into that. Don't go by your own understanding. Trust him. Second thing, choose contentment over comparison. 
Choose contentment over comparison. Now, the, the, you know the word contentment that's used in Scripture? It's, it's an architectural term. And what it means is, it means you intentionally draw limits. You intentionally say, like, this, like, you know, architects, they do that. They kind of say, like, the room's right here. They don't just go, the room just keeps going on and on, you know. But they actually draw limits. That's the room right there. They draw limits. That's exactly the term that's used for contentment. It means in your life, you draw limits. You say, that's enough. I don't need more. That's enough. Now, for most of us, the way we figure contentment is, how much do they have? Well, I need a little bit more. Then that'll be enough. But what you find there is it's never enough. So choose contentment. Third thing, choose faithfulness over achievement. Now, Eric pretty much nailed that a couple of weeks ago for us and gave us a real clear understanding of that. So if you missed that, go to the Challenge website, listen to that again. Choose faithfulness over achievement. What you'll find is your life will be much richer for it. And fourth and last, choose his priorities over your agenda. Now, we don't really like that. What we usually try to do is to figure out a way to baptize our agenda and make it look like God's priorities. You know, well, God wants me doing this. See, that's why God wants me to join 14 clubs so that I can have a wider influence. And the reason I just got through having those four Red Bulls is so I can keep up with what God wants me to do. And you're like, yeah, right. No. Choose his priorities over your agenda. By the way, as one uh, wise man who's going to be on spring break with us once told me, the master will never require so much from you that will not allow for leisure at his feet. So if you're finding yourself in situations where you're thinking, oh, God's the one that wants me to, no, 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 you know what? You live your life the way he wants you to live it. What you're going to find is you still have time for him. In fact, if you don't have time for him, your life's too busy anyway. You need to stop it and cut something out. Live life according to his priorities. Now, what you're going to find with each one of those four things is this. Each one of those is really dependent upon you continuing to grow in your relationship with him. In fact, the more you grow in it, the more you're going to trust him. The more you grow in it, the more content you're going to be. The more you grow in it, the more you're going to find, boy, faithfulness, not achievement, is really the benchmark of God. The more you grow in it, the more you're going to find his priorities really take me to where I need to go, not my agenda. Now, P.T. Barnum, God bless his soul, uh, finally figured that out. And so what I'd like to do tonight uh, is this, in a real different sort of a thing. I'd like you to listen to another song. You think, another? Is that a secular song? Probably. Um, <laughs> but I'd like you to listen to it because I think what you're going to find is this. As you listen to this song, he kind of sums up um, what our position needs to be in how we think about things. Because most of the time when people hear something like this, you know what they think? They think, you know, that's right. In fact, tomorrow, I'm going to get started on that. But guess what? You get into tomorrow and then it's today. And you can't get started today. So you know when you're going to start? Tomorrow. But listen to the words of the song because I think what you'll find is even in secular music, 
they have some things sometimes that can really point to the truths of what God has to say. So we'll listen to this, and the worship band will come up and lead us next. Thanks. Waited till tomorrow starts tonight. Tonight, let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart from now on. Politicians praise my name But those were someone else's dreams The pitfalls of the man I became For years and years I chased their cheers A crazy speed of always needing more But when I stop and see you
Would you stand and join us for worship? Now, we're not as good as Hugh Jackman up there, but the God we're singing to is infinitely better. So... Mm-hmm. 